Hello and welcome to Stuck in the 90s. We are your weekly nostalgia podcast chronicling the years 1990 through to and including in the year 1999. We are your hosts. My name is Chris Alphick. And I'm Connor Thompson. This week, we bring you September 23rd through 29th in the year 1994. I was six then. September 23rd, Pope, citing health, calls off visit to New York. In another sign of the Pope's physical frailty, the Vatican announced today that John Paul II was postponing a visit to the New York City area and Baltimore, which was planned for next month because he had not fully recuperated from a fall in April in which he broke his leg. Oh, Jean-Paul II. He was a pope. Yep, he was a pope. Enough about that. Let us move on to September 24th. I can't stress this enough. The 90s were full of movie franchises being adapted into TV shows. If you want any further evidence... Today, Free Willy, the TV series no. premiered on ABC. What is... I've never even heard of this. Yeah. How does that cut and dry story of freeing a whale adapt into a week-by-week TV series? So, time oh. for a little game. Okay. We're both going to speculate on the plot of the TV show, and then after, we will click through the to the Wikipedia article and read what the actual plot was. Neither of us have read the plot. Do you want me to go first? Okay. So, here's what I'm thinking. Yeah. After Freed, Fremont Willie Jr., that is now the name of the whale... With the little kid, probably now just some random voice actor, probably a female in her mid-30s, go around week to week solving mysteries. Free Willy, again, now named Fremont Williams This is like a Mike Tyson mysteries thing. I'm saying this is essentially Scooby-Doo with a whale with a focus on marine life. So they go around solving marine-based mysteries. Wow. All right, what's your plot? Here's what I've got. Willie is free now. He joins a pod. The kid cannot accept that Willie is no longer a part of his life. He joins Greenpeace and they track the whale just for funsies and to tag the other whales. So the whole show is about these guys getting out there, tagging whales and, you know, saving the whales. Yeah. That sounds like a really boring kid's show. Oh, Free Willie can talk in my version. Oh, he that's He definitely funny. is like fully capable of like the English language. Wow. All right. Plot. Jesse, age 14, has been adopted by his foster parents, the Greenwoods. They have moved from Seattle to the Pacific Coast, obviously. He is given a job at the Misty Island Oceanic Reserve, a wildlife rescue and research institute where Randolph, his Native American mentor from the movie, now works. Oh my goodness. Oh, I forgot about him. This is getting green, PC. In the first episode, Jesse discovers... Oh, fuck. In the first episode, Jesse discovers he has the ability to talk to animals... Oh, for fuck's sake. ...and understand their speech. Son of a bitch. Randolph explains that he is a truth talker. This revelation allows for Willie and the other sea creatures featured on the show to have full personalities. Christ almighty. And more prominent roles in key plot events. Uh, I'm gonna skim through okay, the rest because this, this is, goes on for a while. Yeah, this is depressing. Um, you're, you're right. You win. He talks to whales. That's way closer to your thing than I mine. I mean, mine was going around solving mysteries. There's a villain, though. Captain Ahab is a cyborg called the Machine. Oh, okay. Or Captain Ahab-esque thing. Okay. Kid talks to whales. Jesus kid, Christ. T- kid talks to whales. Alright, let's finish this day up. This is stupid. You know what else premiered today? September 24th. <gasps> It was Reboot. Oh, this is a Canadian classic. I don't know if our American listeners will have heard of Reboot. If there's any American listeners out there right now and you haven't heard of Reboot, I don't know if it's on Netflix. I don't know if it's available in any form, but this was such a good show. And I think it would probably hold up to be, as long as you set your expectations for a kid show, it's a pretty good show, especially in its second and third season. It was all about computers. It's weird to explain. So they were all like things inside of a computer. The character names were Dot Matrix. 
matrix. Hack and slash. Yeah. Hexadecimal. Yeah. Megabyte. Yeah. So the plot of it was that there would be a user who played games and then all the characters in the show would get in on these games and every episode was a different game being played and then they had to beat the user in order to save... Like, save that sector. Basically, that, yeah. uh, the one part where the plot kind of fell apart is if they lost the game, that sector of what I guess is the hard drive on the computer would, would be destroyed. destroyed. Which was really weird. So like the game was literally a big purple cube that landed in like a part of their computer town. It was a weird thing. Yeah. What, what, but where did they very, live? Oh, they lived in Mainframe. They lived in Mainframe. Yeah. It was a very cool show. Loved Reboot. Yeah. Reboot was really good. And does that make up for like Free Willy the TV series? It does. Yeah. Are we done with Tay? Or is uh, there... One more bit. Okay. Uh, news article. CBS buys two UHF stations to serve Atlanta and Detroit. CBS under pressure to keep its national television network intact by finding stations in two of the country's largest cities announced yesterday the purchase of two small UHS stations in Detroit and Atlanta. Moving on. On to September 25th, the morality of sex-oriented businesses is under scrutiny in Longview. Some bars now advertise fully clothed waiters. Oh, baby. The proliferation of sex-oriented businesses in this Bible Belt town has protesters photographing patrons and local bars advertising fully clothed waiters. In addition to regular topless bars, Longview has all-nude, bring-your-own-booze joints, and the East Texas Chicken Ranch, a nude steakhouse named after the inspiration for the Broadway hit The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I'm moving to Texas, but residents of the oil-rich town surrounded by pine trees don't want that link to fame or anything else the nude spots might bring. Quote, we don't need this. Longview is becoming a big joke. Do we want to be known as the best nudity place in Texas? Said Evelyn Scott, a member of the Citizens Against Pornography in Texas, or cap it. Porno Town. This is literally Porno Town USA. Yeah, the article goes on how there's basically a war against the uptight citizens brigade of this town, cap it, and people who want to go to nudie bars. Who doesn't like good nudie bar. I'm both for and against this. Restaurants like Hooters. I kind of get weirded out in there. I would be okay with it if there was a similar bar for men. Maybe you call it Dooters. That'd be something. Yeah, I just I just want chicken wings. Like I don't want chicken wings from Hooters. I don't think they're very good. I'm I think saying they're, it. when they're all you can eat, it's quantity over quality. I want good wings. It depends. I don't like, eat them often, so when I do, they gotta be good. That's fair. Anyway, strip clubs are cool. This town needs to find a little bit of balance, and uh, let's hope they did that. Oh, T-Town USA. Let's move on. All right. September 26th. In a Darwinian struggle for viewers, smaller cable channels clamor to get their schedules listed. Never mind for a moment that tree falling in the forest. If a show appears on TV without turning up any easily accessible schedule, can it be said by its producers, advertisers, and potential audience members to exist? So existential. Yeah, man. True channel surfers are rare. Most viewers depend on daily newspaper listings, Sunday television supplements, or TV Guide magazine to make sense of the television universe. But it is a continuing Darwinian struggle for all but the most popular networks to get into these publications. And it's all but impossible for the average cable viewer to get a comprehensive schedule. Even as entrepreneurs dream up ever more specialized networks, and as new technology brings viewers closer to an era of three-digit channel Numbers, the amount of program information that can be economically presented to the public through old-fashioned paper and ink has remained stubbornly limited. All right, September 27th, The Nightmare Before Christmas dropped on VHS today. Also on this date, Lotus and Oracle in a deal on marketing development. The Lotus Development Corporation's hot-selling notes groupware package won another strong endorsement yesterday when the Oracle Corporation, the industry's leading maker of database software, agreed to a strategic marketing and development alliance. The agreement will bring together notes and Oracle's 
powerful multimedia database program, the Oracle Media Server. It also fueled speculation that the two companies might be candidates for a merger, which didn't happen. Uh, Oracle went on to become one of the largest software companies, and Lotus was acquired by IBM the following year. Yeah. Lotus Notes is a program I had to use in a job I worked at maybe three years ago. No. Four years ago. Yeah. Where? The little place out by the airport. They do plastic mold melting machines. It's and you had thing. to use Lotus Notes? And I had to use Lotus Notes. Did you ever use Lotus 1, 2, 3? No. Just Lotus uh, Notes. Oh, Lotus 1, 2, 3. I never used it either, but like I remember marketing from that. Like it was a big deal oh, yeah. pre it, Microsoft it, Office. Yeah, it felt like I worked like in 1997. Let's move on to September 28th. Crackdown by color in France. The government is targeting dark-skinned people in a hunt for Islamic terrorists. <laughs> this is from 94, by the way. But critics also link the sweeps to bias against an immigrant group that refuses to give up its culture. This feels like it was written today. Oh, I know, yeah. Guy André Javierti, a 32-year-old construction worker, left his apartment at 2pm one recent day to look for jobs. By the time he had returned early that evening, he had been stopped six times on the streets and strip-searched by police. Why did authorities single out this law-abiding French citizen for scrutiny? There's only one reason. He has dark skin. And these days in France, people with dark skin are being suspected of being Islamic fundamentalists and hence possible terrorists. Let's finish out the week with hopefully something a little bit better. Oh boy. September 29th, Sega investing $90 million in Atari. The Japanese video game giant Sega Enterprises Limited bolstered the struggling Atari Corporation yesterday by investing $90 million in return for access to key video game technologies. Sega, the second largest video game company behind Nintendo, bought 4.7 million newly issued shares in investment worth $40 million, giving Sega 7.4% ownership of Atari, which is based in Sunnyvale, California. Sega will pay another $50 million as prepaid royalty for access to Atari's 70 plus game patents. Neat. Of course, Sega didn't go, you know. Sega... They still make games. Sega still makes games, but man, the Dreamcast was so good. It sucks that... Uh, sucks that that's not really a thing anymore. <sighs> Alright, that does it for the week. Uh, movies and music next? Absolutely. Diving into the box office in the number one spot, The River Wild. Never heard of it. This is one with Kevin Bacon, Meryl Ooh. Streep. Ooh. Oh, yeah. This is something I probably wouldn't have been interested in at all in the 90s. This seems like maybe a this, deeper movie. Yeah, a good movie, it did okay. Know. Like, its worldwide take was just shy of 100 million. All right. Uh, at number two, we have Time Cop. Time Cop. And now at three, we have Jason's Lyric. And number four, one of my top five, Forrest Gump. They said it was a million dollar wound, but the army must keep that money because I still ain't seen a nickel that million dollars. That is a fantastic movie. Obviously, we don't need to talk too much about Forrest Gump because no. it's self-explanatory. And at five, we have Quiz Show. The fuck is Quiz Show? No idea. All right, you know what I do know. Yeah. Number nine, we've got The Mask. Oh, Jim Carrey. At oh. his finest. Yes, one of his best movies. And then let's end it at 11, how about? Sure. True Lies. Yeah. A pretty good Schwarzenegger movie. Pretty good Schwarzenegger movie. Hello, podcast listeners. This is normally the part of the show where Chris and I go through the Billboard Hot 100 and we talk about the top five songs as well as a bunch of others on the list that we really like or really dislike. That won't be happening this episode. Because when we originally recorded, of course, we did that segment. But lo and behold, my computer froze and didn't really capture much of any of it. And we don't have time to go back and re-record. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off the top five for you, as well as one other song that we wanted to talk about. So in the number one spot, we have I'll Make Love to You by Boys to Men. At two, we have Endless Love by Luther Vandross. At three, we get All I Want to Do by Cheryl Crow. At number four, we have Stay by Lisa Loeb, which is one of the songs 
songs that Chris has gone into a bit of depth on before. And at five, we have When Can I See You by Babyface. Now, the only other song on the list that we really had a good discussion about was number 93. Their first single from their debut album was Weezer with the Sweater Song. And Chris and I got into a bit of a discussion about how we still intend to bring more alternative music into the podcast, but we're mulling over a few different ways that we can do that. So nothing to report yet, but just know that we're working on it. And now let's get back to your regularly scheduled podcast. Let's get into the 90s spotlight. And we had a lot of news this week, so the rest of the bits will be a bit shorter, I think. This week, we would like to talk to you about payphones. Because the 90s was the last decade where people seem to actively use payphones, and now it's it's kind of weird if you see someone on one. Oh, yeah. It like, was you think super, they're buying drugs, yeah. right? Yeah. I was at a gas station for a while last night for, let's just call it Pokemon Go-related reasons. Oh, God. There were several people who came up and used the payphone, and I was just really weirded out by that. 20 years ago, you see someone use a payphone. Hey, that's a normal person. They're doing what normal people do. They're in a phone booth. They're making a phone call. Now yeah. it's like, oh, man, that person's calling on a drug dealer. Serious question. Do you think, we, we are 28 podcast listeners, Chris, we took 100 people from a crowd who are all our age. Mm-hmm. What percentage of them do you think would be able to place a successful collect call? I want to say a quarter of them. I would say 20%. A fifth. Yeah, I, I do not have faith in our generation. Listeners, if you are, let's say, 25 to 35, do you know how to make a collect call? Let us know. Yeah, be, be honest with yeah, us. I think I could still do it. So I'm pretty sure I could still the, do it. The easiest way was to just dial zero before you dial the phone number. Yeah. So you punch in zero, area code, and off you go. We used collect calling at the movie theater you know, when we were kids to get our parents to come pick us up. You oh, know, yeah. grade seven, eight, when you're old enough to go to the movies alone, not old enough to get there on your own. And the key to collect calling was to deliver your whole message in that spot where you're supposed to just say your name. Yeah, you get about a second and a half. It's very short. Mm-hmm. You have a collect call from... Mom, pick me up from the movie theater! Do you Dude. accept the charges? Mm-hmm. Click. <laughs> that, that was the that way was to it. get free phone calls. Yeah. And, like, sometimes you'd pop your quarter in, have a full conversation. Do you remember, speaking back to the movies, yeah. when there would be that bank of payphones mm-hmm. and they were always used? Yep. If you got out from a movie, you're waiting four or five minutes before you can call someone to get a ride. Oh, yeah. And that's just something that you don't see anymore. I mean, I see so many places around town where I knew there used to be payphones, and there's just a little pipe sticking up from the ground. Yeah, and now, like, I live in Hamilton, Ontario. For those of you familiar with Hamilton, it's sometimes a questionable place. I see a lot of people using payphones still. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually not too surprised. Probably for drug-related activities. Or maybe they just need a ride home from the movies. Uh, We have quite a bit of 90s news now. We've got two pieces. Three, technically. Let's jump. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Let's jump in. All right. First, you may have heard this. We're going to keep it brief because we've talked about Power Rangers a lot. But Bill Hader has been cast as the voice, I assume, of Alpha 5. Ay, 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 ay. I look forward to it. This movie is just ramping up expectations. Also, this week, we found out that the sequel to Jumanji has started filming. As we all know, unfortunately, Robin Williams passed away, so he's not going to be in this movie. But I think they managed to pull together a pretty decent cast. We've got Jack Black. We've got Karen Gillan. We've got Kevin Hart. And starring, we've got Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And our third piece of news. Popular 90s wrestler The Rock, now known as Dwayne Johnson. He has an alarm clock. It's called The Rock Clock, and if you want to get in on it, you wake up with him. So whenever he wakes up, the alarm goes off, and it wakes you up, and there's no, like, there's no snooze button. You just better wake up, and the alarm itself isn't a chime or anything. It's him saying, beep, beep, beep. 
And then if you let him beep long enough, he'll say, I can do this all morning. How crazy is that? So like a bunch of people are in on this and they're waking up at the crazy time the rock wakes waking up. Waking up at rock time. They're waking up at rock time. They're on rock time. That is so good. I mean, and that's a good idea because, you know, he's he's super active. He is super out there. If you want to make the most of life, I think the rock time is a good way to do it. That being said, I am not We're, at this time getting in on rock Neither time. of us are interested in making the most of our lives. No. Let's get into this week on. Oh boy, this is a good one. So Simpsons and the Friends are still no dice. Yeah, actually, Friends premiered the day before this week. So we're doing, what, the 23rd to 29th this yeah. week? and Friends premiered on the 22nd, 22nd. Right? Just being said, it. it's just the pilot, and mm. this episode was so good. The yeah. Simpsons was one of their clip show shows, so it can go die. All right, so this week we bring you Seinfeld. Season 6, Episode 2, The Big Salad. We're going to read the entire plot summary for this one because the episode is so laden with gold. It's yep. nuts. At Elaine's request, George purchases a big salad to go for her from Monks. When George asks Jerry, what's in the big salad? Jerry replies, big lettuce, big carrots, tomatoes like volleyballs. <laughs> but George's girlfriend, Julie, played by Michelle Forbes, who you may know as Ensign Rowe from Star Trek The Next Generation, and that aside, appears to take credit for the purchase when she hands Elaine the salad in Jerry's apartment. George is displeased that Elaine thanked Julie for buying the salad and mentions to Elaine that he was responsible for the purchase. George's revelation eventually leads to a rift between him and Julie when the truth comes out. The truth, in George's view, is not that Elaine thanked the wrong person, but that Julie accepts the thanks. As George loudly explains, what I would like to know is, how does a person who has nothing to do with the big salad claim responsibility for the salad and accept the thank you under false pretenses? Julie understands perfectly well and says, George, all I did was hand someone a bag. Semi-humiliated, George vows to never buy Elaine lunch again because that was definitely the issue. Oh, yeah. Moving on. Elaine must find a special mechanical pencil, the Rolmec 1000 for Mr. <laughs> Pitt. Oh, Mr. Pitt. Yeah. And soon finds herself dealing with the romantic advances of a stationery store clerk. The clerk asks for her telephone number to call her when he receives the pencil, but Elaine gives him Jerry's number instead. Later, after purchasing the pencil from a different shop, she agrees to go out with the clerk out of guilt. Jerry learns that his current girlfriend, Margaret, formerly dated Newman, who ended the relationship. Jerry cannot comprehend why Newman dumped someone so clearly out of his league in terms of beauty, so he attempts to find any fault in his girlfriend. Kramer plays golf with an ex-Major League Baseball player who cleans his ball on the second shot, not on the green, breaking the rules, causing an altercation with Kramer. That is something Kramer would do. The man is later suspected in the murder of a dry cleaner, and Kramer helps the man to see his pet fish by driving his white Ford Bronco in a low-speed chase down the New Jersey Turnpike, featuring actual clips from the O.J. Simpson Ford Bronco chase. Like, how so offside relevant. must that have been at that in time? In 94. Holy fuck. Yeah, even now I could see see that oh. being a little offside, but to do it when it's so fresh, that's having Kramer so... in a Ford Bronco chase. But, like, with actual cutscenes. That's, that's insane. That's the best. Mm. This was such a... Fucking classic. Oh, Seinfeld. Yeah. All right. Before we get to our sponsor, we want to give a shout out to the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, more commonly known as the CBC, and one of their Radio 1 shows, Podcast Playlist, because guess what, podcast listeners? We're on the flipping radio now. Yeah. If you came here from Podcast Playlist, that is super awesome. We're very excited to have you. Welcome to the show. Uh, We hope you stick around. Hit us up on Facebook. We'll give you some information later and uh, get to know us. We're generally fairly responsive. We're pretty okay people. That's a matter. I don't know. Okay, well, sorry. We're 
We are people. We are people. Yeah. So Podcast Playlist is a show where they pick a topic and they compile clips from other podcasts and then they talk back and forth about them. And it's really, really interesting stuff. And they featured a lot of podcasts that I at least listen to. I can't speak for Chris, but I pick up a lot of shows that I like from that show. So to get on that show is a very cool thing. So it aired. We're recording today is uh, Saturday, September 24th. We were on at 2 p.m. on Radio 1 today. Did you listen? No, I was at work, but... I was playing disc golf, but Tuesday at 2 p.m., we will also be on Radio 1. Tuesday, September 27th at 2 p.m. on CBC Radio 1, they took our bit from an episode we did in August uh, where we talked about Orbits, which is a weird Canadian juice company. Juice beverage. Juice beverage. Juice beverage with weird shit floating in it. Yep. Anyway, huge shout out to them, and if you don't listen to podcast playlists, check them out because, like you said, it's a good gateway to other podcasts. It is. Which I think is a perfect segue into our sponsor of this week. Do you have anything else to add to? No, no, no. I'll, I'll just lead it right in. That's that's beautiful. All right. So every week on the show, we like to pretend that we have an actual sponsor paying us for what we're doing. We don't. We like to hone our edges because once in a while we do have actual sponsors. Sometimes. We need to stay fresh. This week, Stuck in the 90s is brought to you by Marijuana, the gateway drug. The 1990s were the last decade, in my opinion, where pot was deemed to be a heinous, life-ending gateway drug. Yeah. One marijuana's can lead you down a path of black tar heroin and cocaine and death. Oh yeah, probably. if you try marijuana, there is a good chance you will be injecting heroin into your eyeballs within the next two years. It's crazy. And to some extent, like, I knew it wasn't that bad, even growing up, but I still believed it to some extent that weed was evil. Yeah, as kids, we were all very anti-drugs and very anti-pot, and we didn't really know better. That was just the education. It was teaching us that smoking marijuana was basically throwing your life away. Yeah. And I think that we, as a North American society, have come a long way. Yeah, Obviously, we're coming Canada's to legalization. Looking at, yeah. yeah. Canada's looking at legalization, looking into it. So, several states in the U.S. have legalized it for recreational use. Hopefully, we'll have it next year. I'm sure the states will follow. Mm -hmm. In my mind, I don't consider smoking pot to be any worse than drinking. And, I and in many ways, been. much better. Yeah. It pro and it probably is. Like, I just don't think it's that big of a deal. And growing up, it was seen as such a big deal. In the same way that we think of something like bath salts these days. Mm. And I think it wasn't until after the 1990s that people came to the realization, or at least that society as a whole, started to shift to where it is today. So, Marijuana, we would like to thank you for changing tack and no longer killing people. Mm. Even though you never did. Yeah, Marijuana, you've, you've come a long you've way. Changed, you've changed, man. Up. You've changed. Yeah. Thanks for being a little safer these days. Yeah. And thanks for thanks for the good times. Okay, let's close this thing out. You can find us online. Our website is stuck in the 90s podcast.com. You can email us. Our address is stuck in the 90s podcast at gmail.com. If you would like to be a $10 sponsor, wherein you give us 10 bucks and we'll plug whatever you got for 15 to 30 seconds, as long as it's not too horrible a thing, that'd be super cool. And then we don't have to make up a sponsor like marijuana. Yeah. Uh, if you want us to talk about marijuana, if you. I mean, and if you're selling joints, I mean, we'll tell people, I guess. If, but it'd if be weird. If you're selling joints, we're going to have to look into the uh, legality of uh, of, of you being our sponsor. <laughs> do you but... deal drugs? Do you have <laughs> Do you have 10 bucks? 
Hey, we're now the podcast we're, we're that accessory. promotes drug dealers. We're crime accessories now. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Stuck in the 90s Podcast. We're on Twitter at SIT90s. SIT90S. That is just about it. That, um, that's it. Yeah. Um, if Like I said, if you came over from Podcast Playlist, welcome to the show. We'd love for you to stick around. Yeah. Hope you liked now, it. One thing we like to do at the end of every episode is pick what we're going to do next week. We've got a Game of Life spinny wheel with the numbers. 1 through 10, 10 being 0, and we'll be picking what we're doing next week. Okay, next week. Next week, we are doing September 30th through October 6th in the wonderful year 1998. 98, okay, that is a good year. We'll see you around, and for now, the podcast podcast is is now over. over.